Welcome to the second video in our series, Reformed Pillars. In one sense, this is our second introductory video. In this video, I want to talk about the foundation from which or on which all Reformed theology must be built. Uh, this, this is the doctrine of sola scriptura, scripture alone. It's a doctrine that all true Bible believers share and on which we all want to build our systems or uh, our interpretation of what the scriptures principally teach. Uh, the six pillars we're going to talk about in this class either stand or fall based on whether or not they are grounded firmly in sola scriptura. So let's be sure before we move on to those pillars that we have certain things in mind with regards to the scriptures. When we talk about the, the doctrine of revelation, divine revelation, uh, we can think of revelation first in a very general way. General revelation would be the creation itself. Uh, in Psalm 19, the first half of which focuses on uh, creation as a revelation of God, then moves on to, in the second half, a special revelation the Word of God, the Law of God, as a uniquely designed Word from God to teach us what He would have us know about Himself and salvation. So in Psalm 19, we have general revelation, the heavens declare the glory of God. And then we have special revelation, the Law of God is sweeter than honey in the honeycomb. It's more to be desired than gold, yea, more than much fine gold. When we talk about special revelation, then, we're talking about the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments. Now, in the discussion of the scriptures as the Old and New Testaments, uh, we can think especially of 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture is God-breathed and profitable. All scripture. It's clear from uh, the scriptures themselves that every word that proceeds from the mouth of God is his God-breathed, his inspired word. And so we do not, in the Reformed tradition, pick and choose, or we're not supposed to pick and choose, what we take from scripture and what we don't. In the Reformed tradition, it's not an issue of the Bible contains the Word of God, but that the very words of Scripture are the Word of God, as given to us in the original languages of the Greek and the Hebrew. We have wonderful translations today. The Greek and the Hebrew originals of the Old and New Testaments are the inspired Word of God, but we have these wonderful translations uh, to pick from. Uh, there are a lot of bad ones out there as well, but uh, translations like the New American Standard, uh, the ESV, the New King James Version uh, are all very uh, uh, tightly interpreted uh, versions of Scripture and uh, very profitable for our study. I, I want to then just uh, pinpoint a couple of uh, doctrines 
uh, which are important for us when we think about special revelation, when we think about the Word of God. Uh, three thoughts tied to the idea that all Scripture, every word of Scripture, is God-breathed. First uh, is the idea of inerrancy. Inerrancy is the doctrine that the Bible is without errors. But there's another word that's very important to go alongside of that, and that is uh, infallibility, that the Bible is incapable of having errors. Over the past hundred years, the idea of infallibility has been under a strong attack from liberal scholars. Uh, if we don't say that it's incapable of errors, but just doesn't contain errors, it's only a small step from there to start saying, well, maybe it has a few errors, and we'll give up these points, or we'll reject that text, or we'll see such and such as archaic, or maybe that's just Paul and not scripture. And then we don't have any view of real Bible without error inerrancy at all. And so infallibility is essential to our study of the Word of God. If we are to take God at his word, we need to see that the Bible is incapable of error because it is the very Word of God. Another important point we need to note is not just that uh, infallibility and inerrancy go together and we need infallibility as our understanding if we're not to reject scripture. But another important point is one that Peter makes when he says that no scripture is open to private interpretation. He's, he's making a point to us that in scripture God is speaking and he's not just throwing random words on a page and hoping that something and some combination of ideas sticks for you personally. So that, well, this is what the Bible means for me. But maybe you can say, this is what the same passage means for you. You see, that's become the predominant way of approaching scripture in the modern evangelical church. In fact, we pride ourselves on not really caring much about sermons anymore, but having book discussions, Bible studies, where we all sit around in a circle and say, what does this passage mean for me? What has it said to me? Uh, but Peter, in his epistle, tells us, that God spoke through the prophets, and it's not open to private interpretation. Uh, but rather, uh, there is a teaching that God is giving us, and he does apply it to our hearts by his Holy Spirit at different speeds and at particular moments in our lives and in exactly the way that we need in that moment. Um, but uh, the scriptures do have truth. <laughs> not relativism. And so we need to approach the scriptures with that idea as well. It's not, uh, that's what it says to you, this is what it says to me. And, th and then finally, in connection with inerrancy and infallibility, in connection with the idea that the scriptures aren't just uh, vague words that can inspire you in whatever way that you happen to be inspired, but rather they are inspired word of God, and we come to the, the product in that way. 
Um, we then come to uh, one other thought, which is the analogy of faith. Now, this isn't unique to the Reformed perspective, but analogy of faith is the term that the Reformed perspective uses for it. And it is the doctrine that we, we understand Scripture the more difficult in light of the clearer. Um, Peter talks about that in his second letter as well. He talks about how Paul has written some things that are hard to understand and that uh, we misapply them then because we go to those things that are hard to un uh, understand and then we make them say what we want them to. But the ultimate interpreter of Scripture is Scripture itself. It's not it's not some group of cardinals somewhere in a room. It's not um, uh, some esoteric thing, and it's not up to private thoughts of your own, but Scripture interprets itself. And for us to understand that, we start with the most clear. There are some things that are not confusing. God says certain things very clearly about himself, about his world, and about what he desires for us to believe and to do and to live and to serve him. Uh, and then there are other texts that are more difficult. Uh, I think the, the most uh, blatant way to think about the importance of the analogy of faith is to think about the question of end times. How do we approach that difficult topic? Do we approach it going first to the book of Revelation? Well, many do. They say, well, this is the book about end times, so obviously we would start there. But sadly, that's going to the place that is uh, very confusing. <laughs> it's visions and symbols. It's not clear bullet point lists. It's not clear Paul statements. Uh, it is... Uh, difficult even within one viewpoint of understanding to come to any consensus on certain points of it. It's, it's, a, it's a difficult passage. And then, sadly, what so many do is they start with Revelation, and then they um, come up with their interpretation. This is what I think the book of Revelation means. And then they go back and they look, well, Daniel and Zechariah and parts of what Christ says in Matthew are all very similar language. So I'm going to interpret those all the way that I interpreted Revelation. And then I'm going to go back and interpret the entire Bible to fit my system for the book of Revelation. Well, that's, that's what um, the Schofield Reference Bible did. And it influenced an entire uh, century of discussion of the end times so far. Uh, and, and yet it's bad scholarship to do that. What we do is we interpret from Scripture that which is most clear and make our way towards the least clear. And however we interpret the least clear has to fit with what is most clear. That just seems like basic logic. Now, that seems like the most honest way to approach things. So when we're talking in times, the best place to start is probably with the Apostle Paul in the book of first and the letters of first and second Thessalonians, where he makes very clear statements about the future. Uh, straightforward, non-visionary, non-shadowy non, uh, or typological or any of those things, just clear statements as well as other parts of what Christ says and what John say, uh, I'm sorry, what Paul, as well as John say about 
about doctrine as a whole and as we develop our doctrine of the church, of of Israel, of things like that from the clearer passages like Romans or uh, the Gospels, then we interpret the book of Revelation and end things on that interpretation of the easier things. The analogy of faith, very important, very important issue and uh, one that's essential if we're going to study the six pillars of the Reformation. So, as we engage in this series, the foundation of Scripture alone, Scripture, which is its own interpreter, the analogy of faith. It's a sufficient interpreter because it is the very Word of God, which means it's without errors because it is incapable of errors because it is God who speaks. And yet we need to handle this with care and with wisdom and discernment and with humility because it's one that is not open to private interpretation, but we are seeking to understand what God is saying. Well, uh, each video, I want to give you a couple of recommendations if you want to look into the topic a little more in depth. And so I have two recommendations today, uh, both fairly recent studies. One is Kevin DeYoung, Taking God at His Word. This is about 10 years old now. I think they're both about 10 or 12 years old now. Taking God at His Word by Kevin DeYoung. Why the Bible is knowable, necessary, and enough, and what that means for you and me. Excellent, enjoyably, uh, enjoyably written book. The other one is also uh, excellently and enjoyably written, and that's Sinclair Ferguson, From the Mouth of God, Trusting, Reading, and Applying the Bible. Now, um, often I'll, I'll make my recommendations books that I would recommend both uh, because they each bring something different to the table. In this instance, I'm selecting two books that are basically covering the same material with the same purpose to instill a strong and high view of biblical understanding of the scriptures. Um, that means they both cover the same basic material, even though they might come at it slightly different ways. Um, so I wouldn't say run out and buy both. If you happen to know Sinclair Ferguson and like his writings, run out and buy this one. If you love the way Kevin DeYoung writes, buy him. Uh, I, I love both of them. They're wonderful authors. Uh, I would recommend either of these two books. But I hope you do give more thought, if you haven't before, to the doctrine of what the scriptures teach and what the scriptures are. And I look forward to next time uh, considering with you the first major pillar of Reformed theology, what we all know as Calvinism. God bless.